We've been preaching on the road and the results to and of revival. We've been looking at this mighty manifestation of the power and the presence of God in 1 Kings chapter 18, where Elijah on top of the mountain prays the fire down and God comes and manifests his presence. Two things always happen when God moves. God is glorified and the enemy is defeated. Brother, I want to tell you, we live in a day when we need to glorify God like never before. It seems like every day there's a new enemy that's cropped up to the church, the home, the right, the Bible, and the holy things of God. And ladies and gentlemen, there's only one force that will turn back the tide of evil in America, and that's the tide of old-fashioned revival. When the fire of God and the presence of God moves, we worked our way through that chapter And how we said that the fire of God represents several things in the Bible. Number one, sometimes it represents God's judgment, God's punishment. Sometimes it represents the refiner's fire, God's purifying. Sometimes it represents the Holy Ghost, the power of God. And sometimes it just represents the manifested presence of God, the pillar of fire. God was among his people leading them with that pillar of fire. But as I said, it seems like in 1 Kings 18, all four of these are wrapped up in this one text. Because when the fire fell, it judged the sins that Israel was doing. And we'll never have revival to sin is dealt with. And then when the power of God came, it purified the nation of Israel. They were never the same. And I'm telling you, only the power of the Holy Ghost can give such a revival like that. And brother, anytime revival comes, even the wicked has to admit God is in that place. And can I remind you again this morning, there's no substitute for what God can do. I thank God for our mission boards. I thank God for our ministries, the church is involved in, and all the things God lets us do. But you can't organize, you can't legislate, you can't denominationalize revival. Real revival is a sovereign act of God when God's people respond to his proddings. Let me say this in about 1 Kings 18. Like so many other places in the Bible, I see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man not at war, but holding hands with one another. Now, there are people that question whether your pastor believes in the sovereignty of God or not. Brother, there's not a preacher on planet earth that believes any more than the power and the omnipotence and the sovereignty of God any more than me. In fact, I believe that God is so sovereign that he took the initiative. Over and over again, the Bible said, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the word of the Lord came to Noah, the word of the Lord came to Moses, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. I know about God's initiative. I know that God makes the first move. I understand we love him because he first loved us. But if you'll be an honest Bible student, if you'll be an honest Bible student, you cannot deny that the responsibility of man is right there in those scriptures. Yes, God took the initiative when he sent his son to down Calvary. But man's responsibility to that is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
You remember this today. God's never saved anybody that didn't ask him to. But God's never refused to save anybody that asked him to. I'm about to get blessed. I love that Second Chronicles seven fourteen. God said, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Man, that's real revival. But the verse before that said, if my people, and I know God's moving, God is sovereign. We need God. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a responsibility that all of us has to bear. God loved us. Jesus died for us. But it's your responsibility to call upon him and receive him as Lord and Savior. And I, and as much as I believe that revival and a manifestation of the power of God is a sovereign act of God, but I do believe you and I have a responsibility when it comes to that. Because in 1 Kings chapter 18, the fire didn't fall on Mount Carmel till Elijah put some things in place. We looked at one of them last Sunday morning. Number one, he took a stand. A stand had to be taken. He had to say, that is enough. And when Ahab the king said, are you he that troubleth Israel? He said, no, you're the one that's troubling Israel because you forsook the Lord. And I got a, I almost got a standing ovation last Sunday when I made this statement. It's time the church took a stand. We looked at it last Sunday night. The second thing Elijah did, he all took a stand. But a choice or a decision was made. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be Baal, then serve him. Then if God be God, then serve him. And when they made the decision, God moved in mighty power. Let me tell you this morning, nobody has ever lived for God. Nobody has ever lived for God that didn't make a constant choice every day of their life to do so. You'll have to get up in the morning and say, I choose this day by the grace of God to live for Jesus. I choose this day by the grace of God not to hurt my family. I choose this day by the grace of God not to lose my testimony. Paul said he had to die daily. And I believe there's a decision, there's a choice that, be, that needs to be made. And you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're bold enough, help yourself and raise it. How many today would just love to choose God move in my life? God move in my church. God move in my family. Quickly today, I want to come to a third thing that's got to be done before the fire falls. Not only a stand must be taken, a choice must be made, but listen to this one. The altar must be repaired. Let me read these verses in 1 Kings chapter number 18. Begin reading in verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Say that little line out loud with me. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. Evidently, you can't hear me. I ask you to repeat that after me. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. Now, he did some more stuff after this, and we're going to see that after a while. But I just want to zero in on this. He had to repair, listen to this now, not what the liquor drinkers had tore down, not what the abortionists had tore down, not what the sex perverts had tore down, He had to repair what false religion before him had torn down. Those 450 false prophets of Baal 
had done damage to the religious attitude of the day. In fact, they had lost confidence in the religious establishment of the day. They had lost confidence in the prophets. They had lost confidence in the priesthood. The men that God had put as their spiritual advisors had so compromised and watered down and had done so much damage that before revival came, a man of God who could not be bought or intimidated had to come on the scene and repair the damage to the Lord's altar. By the way, read what it says, not to the priest's altar, not to the prophet's altar, not to Elijah's altar, but he had to repair the damage that had been done to the Lord's altar. Can I remind you today, ladies and gentlemen, it is God's honor that we preserve. It is God's glory that we hurled. And what separates a Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching, gospel-loving, Holy Spirit-filled church than any other civic or religious organization? We have not met in the name of the Masons or the Silvertans or even the Baptist church. We have met today in the name of the Lord. This is not Joe Arthur Tabernacle. This is not Joe Arthur's church. This is not a Tom Allen establishment. This is not a Shane Roy playhouse. This is the house of the Lord. This is God's property. This is God's house. This is God's building. This is God's pulpit. That's God's choir. This is God's altar. This is the Lord's day. This is God's word. This is the Lord's message. It is the Lord's music. We don't represent a civic or religious organization. We, my God, somebody help me. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of heaven. And it's time the church did some repair what false religion has destroyed in the minds of our people in the day in which we live. Can I get a witness in the church house? As I travel across this country and see what I see, a lot of times I'll call Mrs. Arthur and I'll say, baby, I shouldn't say this, but let me hurry and say it. Then I'll ask forgiveness later. I am not surprised that some people don't go to church. And I'm not surprised at some people that have no confidence in church or anybody that goes there. Because if all they know is what I've seen that they know, no wonder they have no confidence in the pulpit, in the pew, from the deacons to the singers to the choir to the church to the things of God. There are some people that have been so deceived and disappointed and let down by church and so-called Christians and so-called preachers. They've lost their confidence in the church, in the Bible, in the preacher, in the congregation, and church is no more 
to them than any of the civic club. And I'm sorry that some singers and some preachers and some churches and some religious figures have compromised and polluted to the point that the salt has lost its savor and the light has been hid by a bushel. But you remember this, how much confidence people lose in the preacher or they lose in the church or they lose in Christianity as a whole. It doesn't change the fact that you are born a sinner and you need to be saved. And when you stand before God, that's a lame excuse. Well, I'm not going to go to church because that preacher up there run off with some woman. Find you another preacher that ain't done that. Well, I'm not going to go to that church because they got a deacon that got drunk. We voted jury out because he did it. Find you one that don't do it anymore. You say, but I can't go to that church because of this, because of that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean to tell you, just like all Democrats ain't good and all Republicans ain't good and all politicians ain't good, I hate to tell you this. All deacons ain't good. All Sunday school teachers ain't good. All choir members ain't good. All preachers ain't good. But I mean to tell you, not one of them deacons or preachers or Sunday school teachers left the throne of heaven and went to the cross and shed his blood and died for me. My Lord went left heaven and shed his blood and he died for me. And today my hope ain't built on some church or some carnal preacher or some backslidden church member. But today my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'm not going to heaven because of what Brother Joe did, what Brother Tom did, what Brother Shane did, or what Brother Bubba did. I'm going to heaven because one day I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will never fail you. He will never disappoint you. He will never let you down. It's time the church got to repairing the glory of God and the honor of God and the name of God and lifting high the ministry instead of dragging it through the mud. He had to repair the altar that dead religion had destroyed. Before God consumed that mountain, Elijah said, Remodeling time. And suddenly he goes to work. He looks around at the altar of God. And where those heathens had disrespected the altar. And I know I get called a lot of names. And I get made fun of. And I know sometimes I'm oversensitive to some things. But listen to me. This ain't a recreation room. This ain't a dating parlor. This ain't a nightclub. This ain't a hoedown showdown. It's a house of the Lord. A sanctified place called a sanctuary where we come and sing and love God and honor God and give sinners a chance to be saved. I can't help it, but the zeal of God's house has eaten me up. I'm jealous over the house of God. This is God's room. This is God's place. This is God's day. And God forbid that we preach not the word in this place. Can I get a witness? He had to repair the damage. When I hear things like this, well, a new brewery come to town and it's going to give the community 5,000 jobs and the pastor of the local Baptist church drinks the first beer to dedicate the building. My God, we need revival. Hello? When mayors 
When mayors and city councilmen tell me the only reason why our county went to a wet county and we passed liquor by the drink, all the people from the churches that show, uh, let me just say this. If any one of our members were ever to show up and promote drinking, hell-raising, and abortion, and transgender, and all of that, please let me know up front. Because I'm here to tell you, our church don't stand for that. We don't stand for the wickedness. We don't stand for the evil. We don't stand for the compromise. It's a holy God. It's a holy book. It's a holy place. And brother, a preacher has no business getting in this pulpit and causing doubt of the Word of God and defaming the Word of God. He needs to lift it up and say, this is the word of God. He don't need to doubt the virgin birth and lampoon the bodily resurrection and the second coming of Jesus Christ. He needs to stand up and say, the Bible is true. And Jesus is virgin born. And he did bodily arise. And he did come. And he's going to come again. And we got to repair the damage of false religion. And I got family. And some of y'all got family. That sit in churches every Sunday that don't even believe the Bible is the infallible, inerrant word of God. That's a shame. We have family members, all of us do, that go to churches where the pastor is a social drinker. And you listen to me, there's no such thing as a social drinker. It's a sot drunk. Amen. You say, well, the preacher did it. It don't make it right if the preacher did do it. The Bible goes above the preacher. It goes above the deacons. We don't bring God down to our standard. We don't lower God down to our low living. Brother, we exalt the Lord. We lift up the Lord. We magnify the Lord. There's a lady right here in this church one day said to me at a funeral. I said, ma'am, visit our church sometime. She said, I'd love to. But I can't. I said, why can't you? She said, well, I, I can't drive anymore and I have to go to church with my neighbors. And I said, well, ma'am, do, do you like going to church with your neighbors? She said, well, I like going to church, but I really don't particularly like going there. But I got no choice. I, I can't go if I don't ride with them. I said, why don't you like the church where your neighbors are going? She said, I've been there for five years and never heard the blood preached on. Never heard the gospel preached on. Never heard a plan of salvation. Never seen a sinner walk the aisle and be saved. Never seen anybody baptized into baptistry. She said, our church is booming. It's booming. It's booming. But they're coming from other churches. It's been years since I've seen somebody saved. She said, in fact, the matter, when my lost loved ones visit me, we don't even go to church that day because I don't want to take my lost loved ones. They're not going to hear the gospel anyhow. I started to say, sister, I wish I lived in your neighborhood because I know of a church at 1974, I want Stephen Road in Jonesboro, Georgia that we're going to sing the gospel we're going to teach the gospel we're going to preach the gospel and if you come to this church and die without God and go to hell it ain't going to be because I choir saying false doctrine and our teachers taught false doctrine and your pastors and preachers preach false doctrine we're going to lift it high we're going to magnify our office we're going to lift up the name of Jesus my God he ain't the old man upstairs he's the king of kings and the lord of 
lords. His name is above every name. His word is true. His Holy Ghost is still alive. Let's repair the damage. Get God back on the scene and get the fire to fall again. Woo! Ain't we having fun at the tabernacle? Some of you sitting there going, we're just going to sing today. I bet we ain't got no preaching. We're probably doing a little bit more than you can handle right now. But before the fire ever fell, that man of God had to repair the damage that had been caused by false religion. And I want to say this, God help any church, God help any preacher that says that Bible is not the word of God. That would say or do anything that would defame the holy name of Jesus Christ. The religious scene in America is very, very sad. I said the religious scene in America. I said the religious scene in America is very sad. But I hope you know that when you come to this church, this is not religion. This is the worship of God in spirit and in truth. Brother Tom practices with that choir. Man, did you hear some of them notes them women hit? You got to smoke to hit some of them notes. And I mean, I, I appreciate all that work, man. I, I, I love it. I'm proud of you. But I'll tell you, it's all in vain without the breath of the Holy Spirit. When our, when our 75 voice choir was singing a while ago, they were not up here giving some kind of religious expo where we're having some kind of religious show. We're trying to sing so the Holy Ghost can move and prepare the hearts. When Brother Tom and those girls was up here singing, they weren't trying to make some newspaper. They weren't hoping some promoter would discover them. They was up here singing because they love God and wanted to prepare the hearts of the people. And I'm up here this morning preaching my heart out. Not to try to impress Clayton County, Georgia, but to let you know this is God's house. This is God's word. It's God's Holy Spirit. We're God's people. And before the fire falls, God's people are going to have to repair the damage that's been caused by false religion of our day. I said this a couple of Sunday nights ago and I want to reemphasize it. If every preacher in Georgia, America, the northern hemisphere, the whole world denies the Bible and quits preaching the Bible. The Bible is still the word of God. If every preacher in this state, in this nation, in this world comes up with another gospel besides the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the power of God under salvation. If every preacher in this city, in this state, in this nation quit glorifying the blood of Christ and said, well, just get ducked in the baptistry and the water will wash your sin. No, if every preacher on planet earth starts preaching that, can I remind you, it's still the blood. It's still the gospel. It's still the word of God. God is still God. And it's time the church got up and repaired the damage that's been caused by false religion. I heard Sammy Allen make this illustration one night at the camp meeting. I've never gotten it. I was probably 25 years old. Never forgot this. He said, I don't like snakes. 
I don't like any kind of snake. He said, the only kind of snake handling I believe in doing is with a hoe or a shotgun. Watch what burns me up when some of these dried-eyed Baptists come to our church and we get to praise the Lord. I thought they was going to break the snakes out. No, the only snake bless God's you. Amen. And that goes for that little meanie mouth woman that watches our program every Sunday and says to one of our members, I heard one of them women screaming there. Brother Joe, step on one of them's toes. No, but I'm a name it at yours, good girl. My name is Joe Arthur, and I just approved that sermon. But he said, the only kind of snake handling I do is with a hoe or a shotgun. My brother Sammy made this statement. He said, I'm afraid of a rattlesnake. And if I found one in my home, I'd do my best to kill it. Because I wouldn't want it to bite one of my babies. Listen to what he said. Had he said him the only thing that's more dangerous than a rattlesnake is a preacher. He said, the only thing more dangerous than a rattlesnake is a preacher that denies the Bible, the deity of Christ, and the blood of Jesus, and preaches you can go to heaven some other way besides the cross. And all of us have friends and family every Sunday they go. They get bitten by a rattlesnake. Compromise, water down truth, or no truth at all. And revival will never come to a place until the altar is repaired. Until their conviction in the Bible has been restored. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't religionize your way to heaven. Only the way of the cross leads home. And I wonder if there's anybody in this tabernacle this morning, you're glad when you was a sinner, that's the message you heard. You didn't hear be good to your neighbor. You didn't hear shake the preacher's hand. You heard somebody preach the gospel and God preached your heart and you believed the truth and you got saved. Well, I'm trying to give this to the next generation. Why change something that's worked through the years? Why discard something that's brought revival to our churches before? Hey, I know I got to be in the funeral home in 45 minutes, but I'm a preaching right now. Hey, why do you want to discard something that God is honored and God is blessed and it raised up a great nation and it birthed great churches across? Hey, if all of this new stuff was working, religion was working, America wouldn't be as sinful. It wouldn't be as diabolical. But I do believe if we repair the altar and get back to our Father's praying ground and beg God for another visitation of raw Holy Ghost power, we can see God do something thing again let me say this quickly I believe before Elijah Gus ever got to the foot of that mountain and repaired that altar publicly there were some altars in his own heart that he prepared I've been rolling in this since 5 o'clock this morning Lord God have mercy I left my office a while ago and the last words I said to Jesus 
I actually had to go out and pray again here in just a minute. But the last words I said to Jesus when I left that building, left my little office and came down that hallway, I said, oh, God, just don't let me preach a sermon. Just don't let me give an outline. Help me to live what I'm about to preach. Lord, don't let me stand up and tell them people, you got to repair some altars in your life. Oh, God, I want to be on the altar myself. Because mm. I believe, before, Lord of mercy, because I believe before the fire falls publicly, it's got to fall individually. This preacher said to me, the Bible teaches in the last days a great falling away. You're right. And the Bible teaches that there may not be a great wide revival. I said, you're right. But I'll tell you what the Bible does teach, that every individual child of God can have a Pentecost and a revival and a Holy Ghost explosion in your own heart. And I told that lady, I said, here's what you do. You go to that old dry liberal church and holler hallelujah in the middle of one of their preacher's sermons. She said, there ain't nothing to hallelujah about. I said, make up one. I said, does he say open your Bible? He said, well, she said, sometimes he does. I said, well, that's good. When he says open your Bible, I said, whoo, that's good. I said, lady, sounds like God's put you in a place, listen, where you can make a difference. You go to that church. You witness that's bad when you felt like God sent you to a church to be a witness to it. I said, go ask your preacher, has he been born again? Go ask him. Preacher, you've been born again? You've been filled with God's power? She said, I'm afraid he might say no. I said, ask him anyway. I said, honey, you let the fire burn in you. You said, well, I come in here this morning, the choir really didn't do anything for me, you know. Well, did you do anything for them? Did you prime the pump? Boy, I came to hear an expository message. Well, my first point is, and my second one will be tonight, right out of the text. Brother, we don't come to church just to religiously entertain ourselves and be some spectator. We come with our cups held out. Fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. Do a work in my heart. The fire of God will never fall under the altars or repaired by false religion. I just believe today if we'll preach it, sing it, teach it, lift it up, and live it, God will do something in mighty power. We'll see the fresh visitation of the fire of God. You work with somebody that's lost confidence in religion, you'd be a bright light like you've never been before. You got somebody in your family burnt out with church because some preacher or some so-called church member did them wrong? You'd be a bright light like you've never been before. And the next time somebody says, well, I'd go to church and all, but I just don't believe in all them people down there. All them people down there is not your Lord and Savior. You know, I guess if you get your feelings hurt at Walmart, you won't go back. I guess if you get your feelings hurt at Fuji Express, inside joke, you may not go back. Can you imagine a woman coming up? I'm not going back down there at that mall no more. Somebody hurt my feelings. Next time they put something on sale, you're going to be right down there pushing that buggy. Look at me. 
If I could eat with hypocrites and shop with hypocrites, go to slicks flags with hypocrites and fish with a bunch of liars, I can go to the house of God and lift up that name that is above every name. You're not here for me today. You're not here for me today. You're not here for you today. You're here for God. And I just believe if the church will repair some broken things that's been broken, I believe a fire.